0: Well, greetings, everybody. Welcome once again to the Rec Poker Podcast, as always, sponsored by Running Aces Racetrack, Casino, and Hotel, you- and your website, AMP. And this is our Chats edition. We get to talk to cool people, uh, and today we've got a pretty cool one, Martin Jacobson, uh, 2014 WSOP Main Event winner, a cool $10 million. Uh, so we'll chat with him about that experience and about his life and his journey and all of that stuff. Uh, but first, let's introduce the panel. Uh, the quote that I pulled is actually one that Martin loves. Uh, he posted this uh, prior to the November 9. Uh, it's from the Roman philosopher Seneca, who said, luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity.
1: Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, Seneca is one of my favorites. Good call, Steve. My name is Jim Reed. Uh, you can learn about me by going to rec.poker crew because I'm on the wrecking crew along with a bunch of other wizards that would normally be here today. And uh, the only quote I have is, I'm interested in talking to Martin Jacobson today.
0: <laughs> nice, nice quote. Well done. Well, after after we have the conversation, as you guys know, we end the podcast digging into some of the community happenings around Rec Poker. Uh, we do have an important announcement from Running Aces. Uh, so excited to share share that with you. We're also going to be. Uh, sharing the names of all the people who won the home games, the information about the seminar, the book study, the study groups, the learning with partners, the Learn Pro Poker partnership, Tuesday Night Opa, Thursday Night Twitch, all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, we'll get you guys up to speed on that. But right now, uh, let's bring him in. Martin Jacobson, how are you, sir? Hi,
2: hey, Steve. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, it's good to be here. I'm, uh, I'm doing all right. Yeah. Uh, Scoop just ended, which is uh, three, a <laughs> three month Three week long online series, so it's it's been quite hectic to be honest. But uh, yeah, so just recovering a little bit from from all the madness, all the the button clicking for for straight three months or three weeks. What it feels the, like three months.
0: Yeah, it feels like the, the longest three weeks of your life. Give why don't you give give folks a little idea of that? Because I know a number of our folks at Rec Poker dabble in that. They play you know a, a tournament here or there, but you know we're working full time or you know that kind of stuff. So it's just dabbling, but. What does that look like for you you know three weeks of this online scoop series how many hours are we talking about how many tables are you playing like what what's involved there
2: um so i normally play about 12 to 14 tournaments at once <laughs> so <laughs> the way it works is that so i'll start my grind around four o'clock in the afternoon since i'm in, in the european time zone uh, and tournaments are still even though Black Friday happened, obviously, but tournament schedule is still stuck to the sort of US time zone, Canadian time zone. So obviously, if you live over there, it's, it's great. Yeah, you know, you can start at nine in the morning or, or depending if you're at the East or Pacific. But uh, here in Europe, it's, it's a little bit trickier, but it has gone better since Black Friday. I used to start my sessions at around eight o'clock at night. And they used to go on till like four or five in the morning. Mm-hmm. Now it's a little bit better. I start at four, and I'm usually usually done by one or two a.m. Um, and then I have like my uh, my cool down routine. And I try to wind down, you know, from playing, and not just go straight to bed. Uh, obviously, my mind's spinning at that point. So, uh, but with with tournaments, you know, it's so hard to know how, how long your session's going to be. So. You just kind of, you know when you're going to start, but you never know when you're going to end kind of a thing. So the, the way it goes is that I start registering a bunch of tournaments. I play around 12 at the, at the same time. And then there's a, a few hours of like, I would call it the red window where you register a bunch of new tournaments that pop up on the schedule. And then around 10 o'clock, it's sort of like, there's a few turbo tournaments that you can fill up if you have some screen space at that point. Uh, but otherwise it's it starts you know winding down and you get down to six tables and four tables and so then um, hopefully you have one or two deep runs where you can actually like really focus on and uh, that's when you know the fun starts uh, before that it could be could be quite hectic
0: that, that's kind of what I'm curious about you know we've talked about this a bit before people playing you know two four eight fourteen tables uh, at once for for you and you know your level of experience, is it, is it mentally grueling to do that? Or is it really just, you know, you're just so, you know, you you know what you're going to do in every situation and yeah, you got to pay attention, but it's not, or are you like, are you mentally exhausted at the end of one of those
2: days? Yeah, definitely. Uh, It's extremely exhausting. And I, it's something I noticed now uh, after scoop ended. scoop ended on, I had my last session on Wednesday and I'm still feeling the, the aftermath of it, Mm. of the, the three weeks of like constant focus and the constant stress of all the ups and downs because it's not just it's not just making the decisions at the in the tournaments and when I play it's the it's the swings too like that's very draining because it's just so many ups and downs during a tournament series like that um, you know I finished I got 16th uh, place in the in the uh, high roller main event uh, which you know was a good result, but it, it didn't put me in the green uh, over <laughs> the course of the three weeks. So I needed, a know, top finish there, like like probably like top seven or so. I, I would have ended up on the series overall, and it was 1.5 million for first or 1.2 million for first. So it was a huge. I think I catch for for 50. Uh, so it was massive, you know, difference in, in, in payout and. At that point when there's two tables left like you know you win a flip or you lose a flip and like that could essentially determine the overall success of these three weeks so that to me is, is more stressful than, than anything uh, and the, the uncertainty of not knowing how it's how it's going to play out but that's what i love it as well so it's you know it's it's like a hate love relationship sort of <laughs> it it is and i'm i'm curious
0: so i mean you're talking maybe over 3 weeks of course of you know 300 tournaments or something that you're playing and i think for recreational players how you know that are just playing live tournaments at the local casino how long does it take you to get to get 300 tournaments played and so you know maybe talk a little bit about you know what we've talked about before with you know playing online and getting that much volume uh, from a recreational player perspective, I mean, that just has to help your game, right? I mean, you, you're doing it professionally. It, this is your income and obviously it's helping your game as well. But from a recreational player perspective, maybe talk a little bit about the value of playing online, just getting that many reps, maybe not, you know, 12 or 14 tables at a time, but um, just, just the value of seeing that many situations over and over again.
2: Yeah, I think it's tremendously uh, beneficial uh, to your progression as a player because, like you say, it's, it's, it's all about getting the reps in. Like you can, I study on the side, of course. So I study game theory and I, I go over my plays and, and look at hand history reviews, try to find leagues and improve my game. Uh, but at the end of the day, you need those reps to, to make it stick because it's such a complex game poker that you, you need to get into these situations in real time to actively learn and, and get better at it, in my opinion. And that's just what gets, makes you a better poker player Um, getting these spots and like the more experience you have, the better you'll you'll be if you're actively thinking about your decisions and striving to get better at all times. Um, There's, you know, different mindsets. Some players are, are are striving to to be the best poker player they can be. And others are just happy, you know, playing a tournament and they are not really considering their decisions that much. So it's, It all depends, you know, what your goal is. But for me, like, I love that competitive side of of things and then always being quite harsh on myself. But that's also what drains me mentally because I'm quite harsh on myself. So if I feel like I've not played optimally or made a big mistake, like uh, it could take a few days to to get over it.
1: Yeah, so actually I had a question about that. You talked about uh, sort of hand histories being a way that you look for leaks. When you know, for us, we've got a lot of low-hanging fruit as recreational players. We can find ways to improve every time we shine the light somewhere. But um, hand histories seem like a great way to for everybody. Um, what what other kind of ways do you use to study or to to look for ways to improve? And what kind of stuff can more recreational level players uh, use, or what good techniques for that?
2: Um, so like nowadays, when, when you reach my level, at least, like I I use a lot of solver work. So I like to see what the computer would do in this, a different scenario. But obviously there's flaws in that as well because the players we play against are in computers. So I can't solely adopt a computerized strategy when I'm playing against a human that's not gonna play optimally. So, mm-hmm. But I think still think it's a good base and, and a good guideline of what the right decision might be. Uh, and you can also lock the decisions that the computer would make for what you think that your opponent would make in real time Uh, that's quite time consuming and and takes a lot of time so uh, it might not be the most efficient way of learning but uh, another thing if if I'm not doing that and I just want to you know brush up like I like to watch uh, replays of final tables for example like both live and online and uh, just follow the action and see what what my peers are doing and, and try to get inside their heads and and try to think what would I do in this spot and like what are they doing and like how's how's their approach compared to mine and then sort of like evolve from there and that's kind of how I started like thinking back early days in my poker career I started watching poker on tv and by then you know there there was very limited amount of resources and software available to improve so What I did, I just watched the replays of these final tables and then I was um, trying to figure out what they were doing and why they were doing certain things and listening to the commentators and and just kind of felt involved in the game. And I still like to do that uh, even today.
1: Yeah, we do a lot of like hand history reviews and final table reviews here at Poker, And I think what makes it such a great learning tool is that everyone's looking at the same situation and then they're talking about, these are the factors that I'm thinking about. These are the things that I might do differently, or this is what I think this person's trying to do. And um, having that specific scenario to really be able to drill down into and change a few variables at a time seems to be a way that no matter what level you're on, it's a way that you can access the game. Um,
2: and and think about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like poker, we need to remember poker is a game of incomplete information, right? That's why it's not as black and white and ask the computer, uh, what should I do here? Like it depends who you're playing against. So it's all for me, poker is all about perspective. So you want as much perspective uh, of other players and inputs that you can get. So you can broaden your own arsenal and your own way of thinking about the game. Uh, so that's what also why it's so important to have a, a strong group of community that you can discuss poker with so you can hear their thoughts and, and their analysis on hand so you can learn from them. And because otherwise you just, if you're trying to do everything on your own, like you're sort of limited to how much you can grow.
0: One of the things I want to talk to you about too, a little bit is, you know, there's this whole moneymaker effect. And I actually think that uh, that rec poker is a result of the Jacobson effect. Uh, And so I'll explain myself a little bit. So uh, I started playing poker late in life, like 2010 or so. I started playing with my kids, right? Like me and two of my buddies had ten teenage kids. We started playing poker because we tried to figure out a way to connect with our kids. So we did that, and for a few years, and I'd watch a little bit on TV, and then I watched the World Series main event in 2014. And what what really struck me with you is, I mean, people say you know one of the greatest final tables ever played. I wasn't. I didn't know enough about poker to know that or whatever, but I loved how you just presented yourself and just kind of, you felt like you were, it seemed like you were in the zone, you were respectful, all your interviews were just so well done and thoughtful. And it was, it was sort of like, it brought me to this place of going, oh, maybe I can be a thoughtful, good person and play poker. Like it felt like you know, so many of the people. Sorry, so many of the people I'd been introduced to or that I'd seen are either kind of you know, kind of blowhards or these huge mega, you know, self self oriented personalities. And watching you was like, man, this this seems different. This seems like somebody that I could jive with or model, you know, sort of my game after. Anyway, whatever. Uh, but but then it was the next year I started the rec poker podcast. Uh, just to think, man, is there a way that I could talk to people like this uh, that are more level headed about the game and about life and all those things? Uh, and so I consider that the the Jacobson effect, starting Rec Poker. But one of the things that that I didn't know at the time, but in preparing for this interview, I, I realized, and I probably should have known this, but you know back then, for those of you who don't know, that the November nine was you know months later. Um, and so you you got to the final table, you knew who you were going to be up against. And then there was the November nine where you all came back and and finished. And I found out recently just how much you prepared for that. And maybe talk a little bit about your preparation and how you had different people from my understanding, sort of playing the roles of the the players, your opponents Uh, talk about, and I know normally in a tournament, you're not going to have like that kind of preparation, but talk about how you did that and how that actually helped you prepare for the November 9th sort of having people role-playing different people.
2: So the first thing I did when I, when I made the final table was sort of ask myself like what can I do to because I saw it as an opportunity with the November 9 format that they've scrapped now but they've had it they had, I think they had it for almost 10 years yeah uh, and it was it was this opportunity for players to not only get a, a nice break before, to, before playing out the final after playing for six or seven days straight uh, but also prepare themselves. Uh, for the final and uh, so that's where I saw the opportunity so I was asking myself like what can I do to prepare as, as good as possible uh, because I knew this was a you know, life a once in a lifetime opportunity uh, so I, I wanted to make sure that I did the absolute best I could to put myself in the best position to to win the whole thing um, so I started asking my friends because at this point I had played Professionally, for about six or seven years. So, I was fortunate enough to be surrounded by a lot of other professionals. So, and they all knew how much this meant to me. So, it was easy to ask them for their advice. So, what would you do if you were in my position? I got a lot of great advice. And, like, together, I created the Skype group with 30 of you, my my close friends. And together, we were just brainstorming on what, what we're we going to do to, to prepare. Uh, uh, as optimally as we could. And we ended up, uh, one guy was uh, sponsored by one of the major poker sites and he managed to set up uh, an online simulation at the site in their home game section. Um, so that was pretty cool. So we got to play, we managed to modify the stacks and the structure, up line structure and then I wrote uh, player profile. So I went through uh, poker news and hand reporting and everything I could find about my opponents wrote player profiles about their tendencies and how I uh, imagined that they would approach the final table if they would be you know, playing cautiously, if they would be scared of money, so to speak, or if they were going to go for it, and their bluffing frequencies and whatnot, everything I could find. And then I just hand that out to my friends who were playing my opponents. And then sometimes we would discuss as we were playing and I was playing myself, obviously. Uh, and other times we would just play and then discuss afterwards. But it was both very, like both ways were very beneficial because it put me in that situation like so many times. And I got all the input from everyone who participated in these simulations. Uh, Everyone's sharing their advice and, and we we're talking about ranges and like, okay, what would we do in this scenario? and Like, oh yeah, that's a good point. So I had so much information, added benefit to that element alone. Um, but yeah, apart from that, I got some great advice you know otherwise from everyone. So yeah, I felt very well prepared once, once the date came.
0: I, I just love it so much, and we're we're huge proponents of community. Like we are, we consider ourselves a vibrant and encouraging poker learning community. Like we're we're learning poker, but it's about community, really. You know, building relationships and having that. And the fact that you were able to build the relationships and then leverage those relationships. Uh, I'm curious, like like how how different would it have been if you didn't have those people around you, if you didn't have your community. If whether because of your personality or because you know you're unable to make friends, um, you know, whatever the reason, if you had to prepare for the November 9, just you and you know, whatever solvers were available or whatever books were available, or your own research, like do you think you, I mean, who knows the variance, but do you think that you could have won that thing without having the community around you that you had?
2: I mean, it's sort of a bit very hard to to answer, but uh, no, probably not, to be honest. Uh, to me. That was a, a huge uh, portion of it, of it, like the whole experience, the, the community factor. that not only that I got all the, the help from my friends, but that we were able to go there, go to Vegas together. You know, they were with me the whole time, they were on the rail, they giving me advice as as we were playing and and supporting me the whole way. Um, and then afterwards you know we could celebrate together as a team Mm -hmm. so like we managed to take an individual sport or game or whatever you want to call it and turn it into like a team event almost so it was and i mean everyone did that that, you know that my opponents had their rail too but they were not nearly as prepared and and uh, a lot of their friends were maybe not you know as accomplished as my friends so they they weren't able to give get as good feedback and advice as I was. So I was getting, you know, high lead coaching on going way. So I love that it. That was definitely beneficial.
0: I love it. I know you're probably sick of talking about the main event, but thanks for, thanks for uh, jumping into our world. Uh, uh, well, you know, I because... Never get
2: sick of it, man. <laughs> okay. Well,
0: I know I would be like, I don't <laughs> care. Talk to me all the time, uh, but I'm sure it gets a little bit old, uh, you know, after all these years, but thanks for jumping in. But I mean, the, the reality is, you know, I mean that you had success there, but obviously you've got, 39 World Series caches, another $2 million beyond the 10. I mean, you've had a lot of success there, all the online stuff, all the other tours. Uh, I'm kind of curious with, with all the stuff that you've played. And, you know, I mean, you're from Sweden. Now you're in London, I believe is where you are. Uh, you know, you, you've played all these different tours all over the world. Like what's, what's your favorite stop or what's your favorite, you know, if, if there's only one tour going on this year that you could go to, I mean, obviously we've had our the, the most bizarre 14 months that, that I can remember. But, you know, what would you choose? Like, what do you really love? going you know playing or going to or what's sort of that sweet spot for you honestly man, i
2: i love vegas i love playing poker in vegas it just means so much to me because that's sort of that's where you know obviously with the history and gambling and stuff but uh, poker but uh also like that's where my poker journey started like my first live tournament was the WSOP main event where i went I didn't know anyone. Like, it was very different experience from, from 2014 or, or what it would be today. But um, yeah, it's very uh, it's very nostalgic nostalgic to me uh, the whole Vegas experience and playing the WSOP. You know, there's nothing bigger really. Like, there's some nice there's very nice tournaments in in, in Europe in Barcelona and in Monaco. Like, have been many times, but nothing really compares or beats Vegas in my opinion. So does that mean, so we've got, obviously, this year is different.
0: They've moved it to late September to mid-November. You know, typically, do you go play, you know, the entire series or you just pick a a couple weeks around the main? And then, you know, how are you
2: approaching this year? i played, I think, ever since 2009, i played, like, the full series. Mm. Um, Yeah, I, I really haven't missed, maybe I missed one week, like the first week or so, but. I usually do the the full the full duration, and and that's like how I like it. You know, it goes pretty fast in my opinion. I like to break it up. I go there, and then after two three weeks, you know, I maybe I've had some deep runs, but like at that point, I need to get out of Vegas. I need to leave town for for a few days. So I like to go to uh, Los Angeles or San Diego or somewhere, and just like get away from it because it does get very intense especially in the summer where it's a high season and, and there's a lot going on it's it's just too much poker after a while so it's, i think it's important to even just go into like red rock or something or going to lake mead like somewhere locally but just get off the strip like that to me is very important um but uh yeah this year it will be different but I really like that they moved it, you know, not just because of the pandemic, but uh, it's something I wish that they would do every year because it's, it's a little bit sad for us Europeans to go to Vegas in (laughs) June, July, because that's, you know, our, our summers here are very short. Yeah. And that's like sort of the prime time to be, to be in London, especially. And
0: And to go to the desert where it's 114 degrees. and you Yeah. I don't mind that
2: heat. I don't mind the heat to be honest. And I, I like being in Vegas in the summer, I don't mind it at all, but it's just, if we could do it in, in September, October, November, where it's, it starts getting cold here and, and pretty miserable, to be honest, like gray and dark, that that would be ideal, because Vegas weather that time of the year is, is great as well, even better. And it's not as hectic, you know, in terms of, of tourism, it's a bit quieter, so it'd be a lot easier to get around, hotels would be cheaper, and easier to get, you know, reservations, whatever, like it just makes sense to me. Uh, so I hope they stick with it, but we'll see.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, you know, your cold, get off the strip kind of thing. I've gone out there just, uh, three times, uh, last three times I could and been there for you know a week and a half, two weeks. And I was kind of like, I played, 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 played and played and played and played. And I do think if I stay there longer, I need to take a little break. And this year we're actually going to get a, a house that we're renting for the duration off the strip, bring some rec oh, nice. people in. Yeah. Because then, you know, there's a pool there's it's off the strip. It's just sort of a, you know, play, play as much as you want, but then just take a day off and go do your thing or hang out with the, I think that's going to be important, especially for those who are going to do the whole seven week stretch kind of thing. Are you, are you able to No, forgive me, I don't understand all the travel restrictions everywhere. Are you able to, as far as you know, go to Vegas this fall? And are you planning to then?
2: At that point, I'm pretty confident that I'll be able to. Yeah, it all depends. I mean, the vaccine rollout has been pretty efficient here. They yeah. they vaccinated like 60%, 60 percent 60, 70 percent of the population Great. already. So I think at that point like for sure I would have had you know my boat shots and be ready to go. Yeah. Um but yeah we'll see. Um but in terms of the house like it's funny that's how I I think there's something to it to it because the last few years I've been staying in a hotel for the entire summer on this trip. Uh I I like to say The Bajara because they don't have a casino and it's and it's it's on the strip but it's not right on the strip so Mm -hmm. it's it's a little bit quieter maybe but it's easy to get to everywhere it like easy access everywhere it takes five minutes to the rio so uh but i've noticed a difference because previous years i've I've always rented a house with a bunch of friends and like you say you get off the strip and you have a pool and, and it's not on the strip and those those years i've feel like i've managed a lot better like mentally and like energy wise because i've had those breaks you know you get back to the house your friends are there it's like you almost forget that you're in vegas because mm-hmm. it's so different compared to being on the strip the strip is so intense because you're constantly surrounded by people that's going there going to vegas for two days to go all out partying so whether like when you get back from the review you're, you're always gonna bump into drunk people everywhere like this is yep. The reality of it, so you just automatically absorb that energy somehow. I think, and it's it can get very intense. So I think that's why I felt the urge to leave, uh, like mid-series, to to take a break, to recharge, and then come back fresh.
0: Yeah, that, and that's kind of our that's our philosophy too. Like you know, go to Vegas, do whatever you want to do, however you want to be. But yeah, for us, it's like okay, no, we want this to be like a respite, a refuge, a chance to recharge for, for when you're playing. So you're not just completely surrounded by chaos all the time. So some people thrive in that. Uh, maybe I'm too old. Maybe my personality doesn't allow it, but uh, I, I need the recharge. And I think just to have those, you know, the conversations with other people, you know, and whether it's about talking about your game and whatever, or if it's just, you know, escaping a little
2: bit. Uh, that would, that'd be great fun. That's a, that's a great idea.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll see maybe we can, we can connect with you out there or something, get a, get a few a little meet and greet or something out there. If you're ever
2: free yeah, break or
0: something i won't put you on the spot now we'll talk about that offline (laughs) last thing we want to do is just distract uh players but uh, i'm kind of curious i I know you know man i could talk to you for hours i just love how you think and how you approach life in the game but um you know you were involved we did a free JAT and training course and you were involved i believe in three of those sessions you know doing some of that group training and i know you also do individual coaching as well Uh, martin jacobson uh what's dot pro i think is your website
2: yeah, Mark James, and the that pro is my my the And Then you yeah, have the coaching okay. section there, with where, where all the info about the course, and the yeah, my individual one-on-ones as well. And uh, yeah, sorry, well, you could go ahead. Well, no,
0: yeah, no, that's good, that's good. Uh, sometimes I don't know where I'm going, but but ultimately, what <laughs> I wanted to do is just kind of find out your your perspective on that, like you know, the coaching. So you know, you're playing obviously as a professional. Uh, but you're doing some coaching, individual and some group training. I'm not sure other things that you're doing, but like kind of where, how do you balance that? Um, you know, why do you enjoy coaching? Is it just because it's something different or is there something about the coaching element that drives you and kind of fuels you or talk a little bit about your involvement in the poker industry and how you balance some of those things?
2: Yeah, you know, I've, I've been playing poker for, for so long now. Like I have been playing poker for 13 years, professional life, which is you know, way above what I I would have expected. You know, <laughs> I never expected to be a professional poker player in the first place. It just sort of happened. And here we are. But obviously, I, I love the game. I've always played a game, and uh, it's something I really enjoy to challenge myself. But uh, lately, and especially I think the past year or so, you know, with the pandemic, I've, I've always split my time between 50 50, about online and live because I like, I think there's pros and cons to both, uh, but I like the, the variety and I like the social aspect of playing live and I like to, you know, get in my own world and play 12 tables uh, once, you know, every now and then. But lately, obviously it's been all online, at least for me uh, here in Europe. And uh, I, uh, I was sort of looking for, you know, how I could branch out, how, how can I use what I've learned in poker Um, and apply it to something else like doing something different something that gives me maybe a little bit more meaning and I found coaching uh, ticks all the boxes because it's I get to get involved I I stay involved in poker and I get to share my knowledge and my experience and I can help somebody else achieve their goal and receive you know the mental stimulants like that way uh, because to me, that's very exciting to help someone achieve their goals and to like sort of be, uh, be a part of that. And that's something that's, uh, that really fuels me and motivates me. Uh, so that's what I love about coaching, that it gives me the ability to do that.
0: Do you, do you have other things that you're involved in too? I mean, that, that's phenomenal. I mean, obviously that's great. And I know talking to other, you know, poker players who have gone into coaching, it also provides a fixed income piece. And I don't know if that's part of it for you, but I know for them, they're, they're saying, well, it's just nice to know I've got some fixed cash flow coming in with the variability, especially of tournament play and that sort of thing. Do you do you anything else? Like, um, are, you, are you writing anything? Are you getting, uh, whether it's articles or book writing or anything other in, industry, in the industry, or is it pretty much, you know, I'm playing? And I'm coaching, and then I'm just trying to sort of enjoy life, uh, the rest
2: of it. Well, I started I started writing a book about two years ago. Now. Um, <laughs> Me too. Well, so you're,
0: you're <laughs> not not to poker, go, yeah. but
2: writing a book is harder than people think. <laughs> it's very hard, yes. And uh, something I the first uh, few pages went pretty smooth, and like the, the outlining of it, but then actually getting to it and, and, and putting pen to paper, uh, it's, it's very hard, at least to get the volume and the quality Mm -hmm. uh i'm i'm a very much a perfectionist as well so i try to i I edit as i write and it's just not working you know like everything i've studied a lot about uh, writing and, and like how to write effectively and everyone always says that you should just the, the first draft is gonna suck It's, it's yep. just how it is. So the, the shitty first
0: just... draft. Sorry, for sorry, pardon my language, but I know like yeah. there's a writer that always says just Yeah, yeah, no, get that, out that's the first, the first draft.
2: draft. shitty first draft. Yeah. 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 Uh so don't worry about it. Just like get it out, like, you know, a few hundred pages and then start editing, you know, and then you edit and edit and edit and edit. Um, but it's just so hard for me. It's hard to do yeah. it the same way. Yeah. Yeah. But I have, you know, I have the outline, I have the chapters, and everything's ready to go. So, like, I don't want to push myself either. I don't want to make it a short either because it's not something I have to do. It's something I want to do, or at least I think I want to do it. But then there's other ways to structure it as well. Like, maybe I'll start a podcast, you know, or a YouTube channel. Like, that's something I've explored as well. And I think that would be a good way for me to um, expand my, my, my coaching um project where i can share a lot of knowledge you know and reach a much bigger audience uh, through youtube um so that's something i'm, I'm exploring as well uh, so yeah i have a few different projects uh and then yeah the last few years i've been investing in some companies as well and, uh, entrepreneurship and business is something i'm very passionate and interested in as well so yeah those are kind of
0: I, I love it man after my own heart I'm a business coach on the side that's my real job so uh, I love I love hearing that I love hearing that there's people like you that are investing in in small businesses or entrepreneurs or startups because I think those those folks really can change the world into pretty cool ways you know creating jobs and and all of those those sorts of things so I'm curious about uh, your your cooking however uh, I know you originally wasn't your at least you know reportedly who knows if this is true or not but you know you're maybe thinking about becoming a chef uh, prior to your poker career so is that still part of your story are you still uh, pretty active in the kitchen or, or what's going on there
2: yeah for sure I mean I, I was a chef I, I went to oh, school yeah yeah I worked I worked for two years and then one year in the Swedish military service as a, as a chef on a on a battleship uh, that was a good experience too <laughs> because I was sort of like the head chef there so it was like I had my own <laughs> my own little kitchen and, and, and full reign of what I wanted to order. and I could design the menus and, and cook everything myself or w- with my one one other partner and yeah um, that was that was the plan I was gonna add high ambitions as a chef. Uh, I wanted to move to Barcelona actually, and I got a job offer in Barcelona to work at a, a three star Michelin restaurant there. And I've been at this point now, I'm 21 years old. I just got back from Vegas uh, from my disaster of a poker trip where I won the package to WSFP Maine and I busted in the third hand. But anyway, oh, no. <laughs> that's a different story. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> After that point, you know, I, I tasted the traveling and then the maybe, you know, potential of like leaving Sweden for a few years and just like widen my horizon and see what's out there. Uh, so when I got the job offer, I jumped on it and I was going to move there and work. And then so I quit my job in, in Stockholm, uh, the restaurant in, in Stockholm at the time. And then during this period, I just couldn't get a hold of... Uh, my contact the the woman who set this job offer up for me (laughs) to this day i've heard from her i don't know what (laughs) happened but anyway so it was during this period though that i started playing more poker because now i was sort of in between two jobs i knew i knew i was going to be a chef like that was that was a given Uh, but i wasn't stressing too much about finding a new job because as a chef like especially a young chef when you know a few people in the industry you could always get a job, like that was never, and I was living at home at the time. My expenses weren't that high, if any. Um, so I luckily had the, you know, pretty good opportunity to at least try playing some more poker because at the time and I didn't have a lot of expenses. So that's sort of how, we, how it went. Uh, and so I started playing more poker. I think I got second into some million like pretty soon after. Mm. <laughs> and That'll do it. Yeah, and then I started playing qualifiers to the big live events and qualified for EPT Budapest and managed to get third place there. That was it, pretty much. And this is all, mind you, this is all in like four months. So I won the WSP package in May, went to Vegas in June, July, uh, got second in Million in August, and then in October, I qualified for EPT Budapest and got third there for like 250,000 euros or whatever it was and at that point, I had enough of the bankroll to just continue, you know, giving it a shot. I mean, I knew at the back of my mind I was new that I wasn't stressing about if it was gonna work out or not. I was just kind of like going with the flow and see, like, because poker back then was so new, like not just to me, but like to most people. Like everyone was kind of new to the game. So no one really knew what was going on or how long this was gonna last for. Um, this was just a few years after Moneymaker. So in Europe, especially like poker was booming, you know, a few years after that. Uh, so it was a good opportunity. And then I knew at the back of my mind that, like, if, if poker didn't work out, you know, I, I could always like, go back to cooking and, and, you know, get a job again and pick that up. So
0: I love it. And so are you still pretty? Are you, do you cook your own food? Are you pretty
2: active? Do you enjoy cooking still? Yeah. 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 I love, love cooking. I mean, I don't cook as much you know, anymore, maybe, but no i'll I'll always have a strong passion for cooking it's something i i really like doing it's it's something so mindful and meditative about it like cooking your own food and like experimenting with flavors and i i hate following recipes like that's the one so i'm really bad at baking because that's the main requirement for baking like you have to measure everything to so I'm more of a like open the fridge, see what I got. Okay, these these flavors would work together. I'd take some spices and that just, you know, make a meal out of it.
0: <laughs> that's pretty sweet. <laughs> like my wife always tells me, if you can read, you can bake. And I'm like, ah. Oh. so yeah, that's usually that's uh, that's, that's the con- that's the constraint of my Cooking and baking ability is whatever. If I can read, I'm pretty good at having and doubling. You know, pretty good at fractions, so I can do that kind of stuff. Read but, and
2: follow instructions. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. One at a time. <laughs> one at a time. Yeah. One at a time.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, I know we're we're, we're almost at the time. We're probably past time. Um, you know, so I appreciate appreciate your time on here. I, I'm curious, and Jim, if you have a strategy question, feel free to jump in. I know you're. I'm just uh, kidding the candy store at this point, but uh, I am kind of curious. Like, what would you say to recreational players? And I know you've talked to people around the world at different stages so you know as we came on here we say you know mo- most of our folks are the folks that are working full-time or not at least part-time and you know poke they love poker they love playing the game they want to get better but they're never going to put be able to put in you know 300 tournaments in the three-week period of time and and then grow from there they're probably a lot of us aren't ever going to be playing around the world kind of thing but we love the game but we do really want to get better um, what sort of advice would you have, whether it's a, you know, it's a paradigm or whether it's a strategy approach or, you know, how do we get better, but how do we stay in love with the
2: game? I, my, my best advice, and this is actually something that some very high level poker playing friends of mine are following as well, uh, is that if you have a love for the game and you have, you're, you're interested in learning and getting better, Watch high-level poker content and try to think and see what they do. And then just copy that. Just do whatever they do, you know, and, and see how it goes, you know. And then you'll get in a lot of spots and then you'll see, like, oh, this actually works. I don't know why I'm doing this, but this actually works. And then try to figure out why, why am I doing this? Why is this player doing this here in this type of spot? And can I do that too, you know? It's kind of like, yeah. Uh, like monkey see monkey do. Like it's yeah. it's like a cheap and like a quite efficient way of, of learning, you know. Kind of like uh, f-
0: fake, so, fake it till you make it kind of thing, right? Yeah,
2: yeah, I think so. Figure it out along the way. Uh, because you know, if you're not gonna dedicate hours and, and end up studying and like doing the, the solver the work and look at charts and all of that, just see what other good players this is like are doing. And so watch a lot of poker content and see what see what hats they play and how they play in different spots. And then just try to think about that, actively think. Don't just watch, but like remember and, and see, try to to differentiate and like try to realize why why they're doing certain things and how they're doing it. And then try to implement that into your own game and then actively think about why I,
0: I like that. and
2: why it's sufficient.
0: So it's sort of like just kind of you know, figure out who you're going to trust, who you're going to follow, and then just try to imitate them. And maybe you don't ever figure out the, the fundamental philosophies behind it. But if you're making more money, that's a good thing.
2: Yeah, that's okay. But the, the, thing, the thing with solvers too is that what's how, the way solvers work is that you put your range versus your opponent's range and, uh, and then the solver gives you the result. But it doesn't give you the calculation or the explanation of this is why I'm playing these hands. That's just up for interpretation. So no one really has the like everyone has their theory of why we're supposed to play a certain way, but no one really knows. There's no there's no black and white answers in poker. It's like so much about it is perspective and interpretation and, and your experience and your view of things. So Uh, you shouldn't stress too much about that because no one really knows um so yeah just try to be you know poker poker at the end of the day so it's all about being better in competition so if you're better than the guy next to you then you know you're already making money in in the tournament you know so well
0: that's that's the thing about gto you already kind of touched on it you have to assume everybody's playing optimally and nobody can play optimally. And, you know, Nash equilibriums, there's a million assumptions that go into that. And so, you know, but it's a good foundation. And so at the end of the day, figure out who you want to kind of model your game off of, try some things that they're doing, see if it works and, you know, implement the things that do and what you're comfortable with. So uh, we'll, we'll wrap up there. I mean, I could ask you a million more questions, but what what's coming up either, you know, things that you have coming up either that you want to share about coaching or whatever, or just events that you have coming up, that you're excited about what's kind of the, the, the next very next chapter in the life of Martin Jacobson
2: um, so yeah with the scoop done and the online stuff uh, over I'm going to focus more on, on the coaching now leading up to the, the WSFP and also you know do my own study work uh, along with that uh, so I'm quite excited about that hopefully get the YouTube channel started uh, so make sure to check that out uh, do another course with, with Farid we're going to modify the course make it more um, more interactive, um, yeah, some next level, uh, stuff there. So, uh, that will be, that will be, uh, very interesting and exciting. And, um, yeah, apart from that, I'm, I'm going to do my one-on-one coaching. So if anyone's interested, they can go to my website and send me a email and a free consultation first. Um, and then, uh, yeah, to try to tailor every, Session specifically to uh, the student needs. So depending on what they need. And so it can be optimized and, and as efficient as possible. Uh, so not wasting anyone's time. Um, that's about it really. And then, yeah, I'm just looking forward to the WSFP and uh, hopefully I get to enjoy the summer again in London.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, if you guys, man, reach out to Martin. Martin, if there's anything that you end up, you know, doing or releasing, whether it's a YouTube channel or whatever, and you want us to let our folks know about it, just say the word. Uh, we will let folks know about it and direct them in that in that way. So uh, we would love to direct people to good people who are obviously, you know, very, very experienced Um, uh, players as well so if you need anything let us know if you guys can't figure out how to get a hold of Martin get a hold of me uh, I will connect you with Martin uh, to make sure uh, you can get the coaching or whatever information you want but Martin man a pleasure to uh, officially meet you to have you on the show and hopefully we'll bump bump uh, shoulders in Vegas this fall
2: I'm sure yeah
0: I can't wait man (laughs) all right well there he goes Martin Jacobson thank you so much uh, we're going to do some community happenings here so you can jump jump off and we'll take it from here. But uh, I'm glad you survived the what looked like a hurricane at one point in London there. <laughs> your back window, but seems like things have calmed down there now.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, fine. All, All right, right thanks, guys. Yeah, good talk. All thanks, right,
0: take, take
2: care.
0: Bye. All right. All right, well, Jim Reed, what do you think, young man?
1: Well, it's always, we've spoke. I've got to speak with him as part of the uh, Frigiden uh, training course we were doing. It's always fun talking to him. He's got a great attitude, a great mind for poker. The one thing that jumped out at me at that was, uh, as you know, we're starting our new seminar format in June that Chris Jones is putting together. And the way that Martin was talking about preparing for the uh, November 9, yeah. just really, it was exactly what we're talking about. It's like going back to this old play and learn uh, strategy that we used to do here at Rec Poker, but with nonline components. So I- I'm really excited to see how that comes around. We're obviously on the right track, buddy.
0: Yeah, I mean that's what. Yeah, I I love that idea. We've we've done a few things. Chris is going to take it to the next level. But yeah, this idea of create different simulations, uh, have different people playing different parts. Like you don't know who they are, but they're going to be playing aggressive or whatever, and 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 forcing people to adjust to that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I, I love it. And yeah. And what he was, I was reading more about how he prepared and how he had all these people and who he feared the most, Jervon Hof. And, you know, and, you know, I just love, I mean that, and I'm sure he was probably more prepared than anybody else. And I'm who knows, I mean, variance obviously plays that he could have got cooler the first hand, but uh, I'm sure that preparation uh, helped him. And like that quote that we had in the front end, you know, whatever, you know, luck kind of is where preparation meets opportunity. And I think he he's somebody who's taken advantage of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't have put it better. And that is one of those things where it's like when the opportunity comes, you want to be prepared. And yes. it's like what I tell all the people that I work with all the time, you don't have to, you don't have to solve poker, but you don't want to be thinking about a problem for the first time while you're at the poker table, you know, it's, do that thinking in advance. and
0: prepare It's yourself. so good. You know, prior preparation prevents failure, whatever, the, there are different sayings, but you know, it's one of the, one of the reasons I my mean, Somsky is putting together this heads up tournament. Uh, you know, where we're going to have people heads up because you don't want to be at the final table of an MSPT, get to get there. And, you know, you don't want to be, I mean, second place in an MSPT or wherever is great. Right. But the biggest pay jump is second to first. And you don't want to get to that point. And the only thing you've ever done is maybe played once or twice in a $30 tournament. But even then you usually don't because people chop. And so, you know, you you want to be prepared. And so that's why we're trying to prepare us and, and everybody else. So when you're heads up, it's not like, oh, man, I'm completely lost here. I've never done this. I don't even know where the button is. Am I in the small blind or the big blind? I mean, get comfortable playing heads up and in all those, get, get comfortable playing against limpers. Get comfortable playing mm-hmm. against hyper aggros that are going 8X pot. Like, get comfortable in all those situations. So when you see it, you're not like, oh, man, I don't know what to do. You're thinking, oh, I've, I've been through this before. And so that is part of what we're trying to do. So, all right, so we'll, we'll transition to that thing, but uh, let's hear from uh, Jonathan
2: Little. Have you ever wondered whether you should call a preflop raise or 3-bet instead? What do you do when you have a flush draw? Do you raise it? Or do you just call? What do you do with ace-king when you miss the flop? Are you tired of guessing about what the right play is with your particular hand? Well, my name is Jonathan Little, and I am a two-time World Poker Tour Champion and creator of PokerCoaching.com, where we offer over a thousand interactive hand quizzes, where you play a hand and then get real-time feedback from our world-class pros.
1: Don't guess and don't stress. Just register for your free account at
0: pokercoaching.com slash recpoker right now. All right, do it, guys. You heard the man, PokerCoaching.com slash rec poker, Jonathan Little, a uh, great friend of rec poker, as are so many of these folks that are, you know, they don't need to give us the time of day, but they they do uh because they're they're interested in growing the game, including Martin Jacobson. That mm-hmm. was an absolute delight. And like you said, we'd met him briefly before, but to have him on, have him share some of those thoughts, I was Fantastic. So let's talk more about what's going on in Rec Poker Nation. Uh, the first thing I do want to bring up, and I teased this at the beginning, uh, if I can find it here, is the fact that we've got. Um, <laughs> I don't even know where it is. It doesn't matter. I know the stuff. So uh, I talked to Running Aces. Um, oh, yeah, they are our official sponsor. Uh, for those right. of you who are in Minnesota, you know they're one of the two major casinos. Uh, There are others that are in Minnesota and people are clamoring to get back to tournament poker. Um, The issue is capacity. Uh, That's really what it is that there's only so much capacity they can have in their space uh, because of state restrictions. And so they're kind of waiting for that. People say, yeah, but Canterbury's having tournaments. Yeah. Canterbury has three different levels. They have six different zones that they call them. So they are able to sort of segment those things off. ACES doesn't have that luxury uh, at this point but there's things in the works. We're working on some things. Uh, But the other piece is once they get capacity, they need more dealers to be able to deal these big tournaments that we wanna be able to have there. They just built the hotel, of course it opened right before COVID. So big plans to bring people in, have these big tournaments, but they need dealers. So if you are somebody who's out there going, you know, I'm pretty detail oriented, I can pay attention, I'm pretty level-headed, and I've always wanted to maybe try to get into the poker industry. Um, this is a great way to get into the industry. They're starting a new dealer's class. It starts on May 17th, it runs, it's like six hours a day for for a few weeks. Uh, They really teach you all the different games, how to manage it all. You don't need to have experience. You just need to be detail oriented, be able to kind of pay attention um, and you can make some good money. Uh, You know, they gave me some insight into what people are making, it's pretty good money. Um, So you could do that as as a poker dealer. May 17th it starts, go to the Running Aces website, runaces.com let me know, uh, we can we can get you connected there, but they need more dealers. And I know a fair amount of the folks that have dealt at running aces and are dealing at running aces, go out to the World Series and they end up dealing to Daniel Negreanu and all these superstars. And uh, I know a couple of folks have even dealt final tables. And so it's a great way to get into the industry and then you meet all these people and whether you wanna stay a dealer or do something else, uh, now you're known, now you're known commodity. And I tell you relationships are everything in the poker industry. So. Um, go ahead
1: and and not not only that but i mean you want to get better at poker you want just talking about getting mental reps in you know if you're if you're the one controlling the action you're the one that has to know what the pot is every time you got to be calling bets out you got to be doing quick math stuff like that and also it's a great opportunity to hand range opponents Um, Mm -hmm. you know like while you're there you're sitting there you're looking at every hand you're seeing the action you're putting people in boxes so um you know it's it's not only is it a great way into the poker industry but it's a great way to get better at poker to learn more about poker uh uh, so i i'd encourage everyone to go and give yeah. it a try dealing poker is a great way to make that's, some that's
0: money. a great that's a great point and i know people learn a lot by by dealing and i know i've played against dealers and they're like, I figured you were probably weak here. Or whatever. I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're like, I've got like six thousand hands on you. Like, I've watched you play, right. six thousand hands. I know what you're probably doing here. And yeah, the whole it's, so it's super fun. So yeah, that's a great point. It's a great way to learn the game and learn all these other games too, because you're kind of forced to. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think one of the other key things is, you know, you need to be pretty good at quick math. Like, you yeah. don't need to know calculus. You don't need to know long division. All this sort of stuff. But you need to be pretty good at being able to kind of okay, well you know, 1,600, and then they bet 3,200. And if you're keeping track of hot stuff or whatever, you need to know that stuff. So if you're pretty good at, at, at that kind of thing and managing a game and paying attention, they would love to have a conversation with you. So uh, anyway, we I told them, as their partner we'll put the word out for you guys see we can get you a few few folks into that class because i have a vested interest because i want to see those games grow once once we can have those big tournaments i want to hop down there 20 minutes down to columbus and yes sir running up a stack man i can't Let's wait to it. get back into this thing all right get so back to mecca oh uh, it's the mecca that's what i told tell, tell tracy every time i drive by there's the mecca she loves it, loves it but i haven't been there since wreck poker day february 29th of yeah. mm-hmm.
2: 2020
0: come on but now I'm fully mm-hmm. vaccinated as of 2 days from now. I'm going to go play somewhere and I don't know what it's going <laughs> to look like but I, god I'm I'm itching baby. <laughs> <laughs> Steve it can't wait just...
1: to go put in that hero call against somebody on the river bridge. Totally
0: punt <laughs> off my stack hero calling but it might be a home game. I might be that might be the first thing I want to do just yep. from, a, yep. from a mental perspective
1: like get mm-hmm. eight other
0: folks that are fully vaccinated come to my house and just like yeah. have like a vaccination celebration tournament. Maybe watch Monty Python or something. I don't, that I don't does know. sound fun. Right? All right. So, well, it's nice.
1: good for you. Enjoy that.
0: Yeah, well, we'll see when it happens. I'm sure my schedule will just open up soon. <laughs> yeah, um, you got some
1: free time coming up, don't you, Steve? <laughs> all the free time
0: I have, yeah. Well, let's uh, let's shift into the other stuff. So running Aces Dealers class, but home game winners. We do not have the great John Somsky with mm. us today, so... Um, you're going to have to interrupt me. Um, don't worry. <laughs> don't <on> worry. <laughs> but uh, I can't give it the same flavor that Somsky does. But basically, here's what happened. So April 26th, the captain, Rob, Wa- Rob Atom, Captain Walleye, uh, wins the nightly tournament. Uh, Tuesday night, Rick Frogman, Rick Day. Ray- My Ray-
1: man, Razy Daisy himself.
0: Wake Forest, himself. North Carolina, one Nicely of our tin winners. Uh, he took yes. down the tournament on Tuesday, Wednesday night. Uh, it says private name. I know who it is. Great dude. Uh, but he goes by the name Swedish Fishy77. Oh, this uh, person has
1: the, the the profile pick of Hatchet, the young children's book. I think it's the very was there? sorry. There, now you've no been interrupted. To... Now you've been interrupted. Zomsky styles.
0: His initials are LL Great dude, but I believe that is his first first nightly win. Uh Trey 371, Thomas Penna. Nice job. I believe that was Thursday night, April 29th. Uh, takes down the nightly tournament there. Friday night, uh, Howitzer, 2007, private name, uh, takes down the tournament there. Hey, if you guys know, too, if you're listening to this going, man, I wish my name was said. Ah, my name wasn't said. Uh, What we do is if you, everybody that's playing in the tournament, you've got a profile at rec.poker, because if you don't, you can't play. So we know you have a profile and your name is out there in your profile. But we do not say your name unless you've indicated that it can be made publicly available. So uh, that's perfectly fine. We're fine saying private. But if you're going, ah, crap, they didn't say my name, why not? Because your name is listed as private. So flip that switch, uh, make you it go public. Go win another tournament. There you go. What's ahead?
1: And then just go win another tournament, baby.
0: And then go in another tournament. I might even do a retroactive shout out for you if you give me a shout, give me, give me a notification. Uh, Saturdays, we play four tournaments. All right. Uh, we've got the international events at 8 a.m. and 2 p.m. Central. And Magra takes one down, a small field, but Doug Drabeck again uh, takes down one of the internationals and the Deni- nice aces, uh, Denise <laughs> Allen, uh, <laughs> takes down the other international event. And then Saturday yes. night, we do our regular home game and we also do our mixed game practice. Uh, so the regular home game, Fred Justice goes by Foundry37, takes down that one. And man, I've seen a lot of these first time winners. So that's Fantastic to see. We keep expanding the field. Uh, Way to go, Fred. And the great Mark Bloomberg takes down the mixed event practice. And I believe that is Limit Hold'em. So I believe that Mm -hmm. is the one that we are gearing up for. If you don't know, uh, every Saturday night we do a mixed game practice. And the game that we play is the monthly mixed game that's coming up next. So the first month, the first uh, Wednesday of every month we do our monthly No Limit Hold'em series. Uh, that's our big one for player of the year. The second Wednesday of every month, that's our mixed game. Uh, monthly, it goes for player of the year points as well. It's the only night in the entire month we don't play Hold'em. So I know I do get a lot of messages from people, man, where's the Hold'em? It's the, there's one night a month we don't play any Hold'em. It's the second Wednesday. It's only mixed game. There's no additional Hold'em tournament. So. Uh, I'm sorry. We only do like 40 Hold'em tournaments a month. That's the one thing. But the one day we don't. Uh, So I apologize for that. But uh, anyway, Mark Bloomberg takes down uh, the mixed game practice one. And then Sunday night is our LPP. Uh, You win a free month at LPP if you win that sucker. The great Roger Lamp, honestly, one of my favorite people in poker. I've gotten to know him a little bit uh, pre-COVID. Great dude. He goes by Shamu star 27, 140. Uh, And he took that down, which means, of course, that he won the last longer against his wife. Uh, by definition, you oh. won the thing, so that's a good thing. Way to go, Roger! Way to <laughs> me, uh, on Sunday night. So um, that's right. And
1: stuff. and Roger, because uh, you won on Sunday night, you won the Learn Pro Poker Sunday Night tournament, which means that you've won a free month at Learn Pro Poker. So, uh, and, and if Ryan LaPlante was playing on Sunday, if you, if anyone took him out, cause he plays a lot of the Sundays in the rec poker home game, um, you could also win a month at uh, learn pro poker. So Roger, send me an email, Jim at poker, And I will send you that learn pro poker, uh, prize information. Congratulations, buddy.
0: Yeah. Great stuff. So kind of a who's who this week, Rob adds Rick day privates. Thomas Penna, (laughs) private, Fred Justice, Mark Bloomberg, Doug Drabeck, Denise Allen, Roger Lamp, you all qualified for a bronze rec poker pin if you haven't already earned one in the series. So way to go, you guys. Uh, Mad props to all of you. So what else should we talk about, Jim? There's a million things going on. Anything kind of front of mind that we need to make sure
1: we're aware of? This is going to come out on a Tuesday, and every, every Tuesday night, we have our online play and hang, where premium members get together while they're playing in the home game and just enjoy each other's company over a Zoom call like this. Um, so if people listen to this on the day that it comes out, you've got that lined up. If you're listening to this on Wednesday, we have a few different things that happen on Wednesdays, but the Wednesday right after this episode is the focus, where Chris Jones is looking at various hands ways to break hands down using Equilab, Flopzilla, GTO Plus, other tools like that. Uh, So Chris does this once a month, and then I host my own little study group to follow up a little later in the month. And uh, this has been a really good good course of study for some of our premium members who are trying to figure out what's the best way to use these tools? How can we get the most out of tools like this? So I'm really looking forward to the next uh, step in that one
0: that's so great and a lot of people are really taking you up on that too right there they mm. want to learn the tools i know we've had people that have been using the link to get poker tracker and, and that sort of thing so it does seem to be a movement uh in that direction people are grabbing hold of that deal so yeah OGM, way to get those people fired up but there there's exactly. there is so much at Rec Poker, and again i i say this all the time and uh you know we, we're community first it's all about being positive it's about being encouraging it's about being vibrant uh, it's about that thing. But man, it's fun to learn the game and to, to win some stuff in the meantime. So we, we welcome you to be part of our community. That's free of charge. Just go to rec.poker, become a community member, we call it. Uh, with that, you can play in the home games, you have access to all of the videos for the podcasts and blogs that are written and all, there's all. You can be in the forums, you can do all kinds of stuff just for free, go to rec.poker. It's not recpoker.com, it's rec.poker. I know that wigs people out the first time you do that. And then take a look at the premium stuff that we have. It's, uh, it's, I mean, I don't know how many hours of stuff we put out, how many events we put out a month. It's insane how much stuff it is, but it's all grounded in community, right? It's learning in the context of community and um, it's, it's great stuff and you can try it. It's 15 bucks a month, full price or 150 bucks a year. Uh, but if you sign up, you get 10 bucks off that first payment if you use the code Poker. So if you wanna try it for a month, you sign up, you go to the premium thing, click on it. You're gonna have to pay five bucks. I am sorry, that is the cost of the barrier <laughs> entry. It is a $5 bill, uh, but you try it for a month. If you don't like it, get out of there. Uh, no strings attached. But uh, that doesn't happen very often. Uh, people people <laughs> love the thing. Um, and if you're having trouble figuring out where to go, what to try, just reach out to Jim or I. Um, yeah. Just reach out and say, hey, I'm new to the new to the community. Here's how I like to learn. Here's the time that I have. How should I optimize my time? We would love nothing more than to point you in the right direction. So do that as well. Um, anything, anything else that I know the crew isn't here because we're recording during the day because Martin's over in, in Europe. Is there anything else that you know of from Rob or Chris or... Andrew, maybe to share?
1: Just the same great stuff keeps rolling out month after month. These guys, you know, we're in these regular situations where Andrew's putting out a new Learning with Partners video every Saturday. You know, Rob's doing the book study every two weeks. Chris does the seminar every month and the focus every month. So, um, you know, I could tell you what's coming up this month, but it's it's just more of the same great stuff. Steve. It's just
0: a lot. It's a <laughs> lot of really good stuff for every learning style that there is. Yeah, that learning with partners is great because. Yeah, that's
1: all of we our don't partners, talk about how great that is.
0: Fifteen yeah. minutes uh, of their premium content. You don't have to pay any of their membership stuff. We have a partnership with them. They give us 15 minutes a month uh, that you get to watch just for free of their premium content. I mean, we're talking like Solve for Why, Red Chip Poker, Learn Pro Poker, PokerCoaching.com. I'm sure I'm missing some. Yeah,
1: LPP. Uh, there's a couple other ones in there too. Where this yeah. is like their premium. This is their real strategy stuff. That's only yeah. available behind the paywall. They're they're letting Rec Poker members um, get get a peek behind the curtain. It's great. Yeah. It's part of this community that we're building here, Steve.
0: Phenomenal stuff. All right. So uh, if nothing else, we can wrap it up there, uh, man. Martin was so much fun. Thank you, Martin Jacobson, for mm. for joining us. Uh, that was absolutely a delight. Uh, you know as a, as a kid like I, like I said you know 2014 like that was the year I watched him play I'm like wow this is really that actually you know really grabbed hold of me more than any of the other final tables I had before so
2: uh,
0: that was super fun and then to be able to chance, you know here we are seven years later uh, getting a chance to, to chat with him was, was just a delight but Jim thanks for jumping on here I know it's Middle of the day, which isn't always easy,
1: oh, but uh, great. The highlight of my week, man. Thanks for having me. I love these.
0: <laughs> of course, of course. Well, I think we can wrap it up there. So, if you want to cue the music, uh, again, thanks, Martin. Thanks, Jim. Uh, check everything out. Thanks to Running Aces Casino Racetrack and Hotel. Again, check out that dealer class there. Thanks, Mark for Sean at Website Amp for his ongoing sponsorship.